Welcome to the System.ca, the art and science of coaching, providing innovative information on speed, power, recovery, wellness, strength, and conditioning for both athletes and active individuals. This episode is brought to you by the System.ca, physical mercenaries for hire. We are the providers of the 90-day pipeline solution to faster and better athletic performance using our exclusive 360-degree integrated approach to regeneration and conditioning shortcuts that addresses the blockages to athletic performance and wellness and teaches you the secrets to continued athletic performance. The 360 integrated approach is based on two things, 33 years of proven hands-on real-world experience working with athletes ranging from world-class, college, high school, youth, chronically injured, concussed, and top-level amateurs from over 25 different sports. This approach also involves looking at a query from a quantum perspective versus a multiple causation approach or linear perspective. The 360 integrated approach takes into account four areas of investigation and enhancement, physical, structural, biochemical, environmental, and psychological. If performance matters to you, we can help you improve your athletic performance by 20-30% in less time, with faster results, with faster recovery, with less effort, with less injury potential, and with less cost. Don't believe us? Then check out some of our testimonials at the system.ca backslash testimonials backslash. Call us now as space is extremely limited. Uh, I want to talk to... Uh, uh, Introduce you to our special guest. His name is Alfonso D'Alessio. Alfonso and I go back uh, a few few years, let's say. Decades. Uh, that's beside. Uh, but Alfonso works in the fitness industry, and he's on not the training side. He's the guy who provides the equipment for the training. So he's he's like the uh, the king of all the cookie marts with respect to all the uh, the gym equipment. So I'm gonna give him the floor because he can do a better job of introducing himself. Go ahead. Hey, Yusuf, how are you? Thanks for having me on. No problem. My pleasure. Um, so, yeah, I've known Yusuf for probably 20-plus years since York University. I'm also a graduate of uh, from York, Kinesiology and Health Science. And I uh, shortly after I graduated from Kinesiology and Health Science at York, I, um, I found my way into the health and wellness industry by mistake. <laughs> I think that's uh, something... Um, when you talk to a lot of people and their career path sometimes, um, but it was a good mistake. Um, very happy, um, that I'm in the industry. Um, it's a good industry. It's a growing industry. Even right now during the pandemic, there's a lot of pros and some cons, but I think uh, once we get out of this, uh, it's going to be positive. Um, I've been in health and wellness for t- over 20 years, uh, selling to, um, dealing all sides of the, of the commercial health and wellness, retail business, in-home fitness, uh, studio, large club, um, clinics, and providing the fitness equipment solutions and financing for a lot of these people, trying to help them um, help them with their dreams of opening up their facilities and helping them understand the business side of health and wellness. Right. So. Pretty, pretty extensive background. So it's safe to say that uh, Alfonso basically has some good inside information, and hopefully we can uh, peel that out, pull, pull it out of him to give us more insight into into basically, um, you know, trends going forward, you know, past, present. Uh, so with 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 regards to that, 
So give us an idea of what the industry was like, Alfonso, pre-COVID. So this is before everything happened. What was going on at that time? Uh, what was your business like? I mean, was it booming, not booming? Give me an idea here. Uh, business over the last, um, I would say, 15 years has, has changed from bigger box to smaller solutions to medium-sized boxes and just the whole um, fitness, how, how people access fitness has been changing over the last 15 years. And up until recently, pre-COVID, uh, I would say uh, business was good. You know, I, I just did, I installed a couple million dollars of equipment into three or four new facilities uh, in the in Ontario, and it was pretty awesome. And actually, my last install was actually completed on the Friday, uh, and then on the Monday was the lockdown. Wow. <laughs> so it was pretty crazy, you know, and, and, and these sales cycles are so long, you, you become entrenched. You're, you're part of your customer's business, and you really wanted to see them do well. And, and once that happened, you know, there was a lot of question marks of where the industry and where their, you know, that particular customer's business was going to go. So, um, again, pre-COVID, it, 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 was, it wasn't crazy booming, but it was busy for sure. A lot of inquiries, a lot of people doing, um, you know, studios, trying to fulfill their dream in, in you know, a 5,000-square-foot space or a 10,000-square-foot space, talking to a lot of people in Ontario and across the country. And then, you know, during COVID, you know, March, I think, 12th, that happened. March 13th, the brakes went on. Right. And the brakes went on hard on the commercial side. And uh, I like to consider commercial like Formula One and mm-hmm. the technology, uh, trickle-down technology. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're racing. You see the Hondas, the Ferraris, uh, the McLarens uh, on, a, on an F1 track. Eventually, years later, that trickles down into into the car that you drive. Right. No, no different than um, what you see in the gym. Uh, years later, um, you'll see that in your house. Yeah. Uh, Right. So, but so obviously the home market exploded. Like I've had customers, uh, friends of mine that own retail stores that have done in two months what they were doing in a year. Wow. Like a good retail store uh, in a year would do um, 1.5 to $2 million in sales. Right. And they're doing uh, during the pandemic between. 400,000 and 600,000 a month. Right. I guess the problem there would be then supply chain getting more stuff coming in, right? That was the whole thing, right? So even though you yes. stuff, which is great, but then you've got no stock to replenish it. Lead t- yeah, lead times became crazy. Um, uh, you know what, Yusuf? I just heard a bike shop closed down. Wow. Because, because uh, like, like a, cy- a cycling shop closed down. Because they sold through their product and they had no product till 2022. Right. Yeah. And that's that's one of the problems now, I guess, yeah. too, the fitness stores. Like you, you know, they're just replenishing stock. I mean, you may sell the stuff, which is great, but then okay, well, when are you going to get it? You can sell now. <laughs> yeah. You know what? What? What are you going to? You know, not not what are you going to eat next month or in two months from now? What can you eat today? 
Um, and, you know, like you said, uh, the supply chain um, has gone a little bit crazy, you know, and because factories, you know, they're used to producing, you know, a thousand units a month for the last 10 years. And then you're asking them to produce 10,000 units and that's still not enough. A month. Right. right. So, um, but, you know, a lot of retailers have gotten creative. Uh, they've looked internally uh, within Canada for manufacturing, which is good uh, right. for benches and racks, uh, some plates. Uh, cardio generally comes from Asia. Yep. And uh, so you'll see the growth in, in fitness has been in – it has grown in cardio, but the weights, lifting the bumper plates, the kettlebells, the racks, yes, the dumbbells, that has all grown tenfold. Yeah, and I mean, I saw on Facebook one time. I think normally it's like a buck a pound for weight, and it's like yep. three pounds. It's like yeah, if you're lucky, it's three dollars. You know, now don't forget the harder it's become, more difficult for the reseller to obtain these products to sell to you. Yes. So now the the manufacturer is bumping up their prices. Like yeah. you said, so before let's just say the true cost was uh 50 cents a pound and then the retailer sells it to you for a dollar a pound. Now the retailer's cost is a buck 50 a pound. Mm. And the reseller is like, "Well, come on, man." And and the the manufacturer saying, "Well, you know, take what you can get or you don't get anything." Yeah. Yeah. So that's so you- changed. Do you think that that sort of scenario would also foster uh, the reality of maybe less quality products being produced because you're trying to mass produce everything? Like, trying to, you know, is that a possibility? Very good point. Very good point. Uh, I think um, no, no, I, I don't see uh, quality being uh, an issue in regards to how they manufacture. I, I see maybe more. What's the word I'm looking for? I see more products in the market at lower price points because they're easier to obtain. Okay. Easier, easier to sell through. Like the quality of the product is still, you know, a rubber hex dumbbell, whether it's a dollar a pound or $5 a pound, uh, that rubber is going to chip eventually over over five or six years in your house, dropping them weights. Right. Uh, urethane dumbbells, urethane products uh, generally last much longer. Um, you know, the welds, mm, that's a good, really good question, Yusuf. I, I don't foresee that, you know, quality, um, falling that much, even though manufacturing has increased because they don't forget, uh, a lot of manufacturers do have quality control. Right. And I guess they'd have to because the liability, it's such liabilities. And don't forget, there is some type of warranty. Yes. Available. So. Do you think uh, like Canadian manufacturers would be able to, you know, get in on in in on the action now? Being obviously before everything yes. China and some of the yes. uh, other you know countries that are producing this stuff cheaper because of this scenario now, do you think it's possible that Canadian manufacturers can get in there and say you know what carve out a small niche in terms of you know what reliability of you know they they have the they have they can produce the products and also quality but maybe better quality standards i don't know like uh for sure 100 percent, yusuf so you'll see a lot of uh manufacturers today 
over the last six months that have come out of nowhere that are producing benches and racks. Right. Yeah. Benches and racks, benches and racks, benches and racks. Because, you know, don't forget, like, uh, so use if you had a store and you were ordering from overseas, you would have to buy a thousand units. That's right. Right. So there's always a cost quantity relation. Um, and if you bought it some, from someone local, it would be a small batch production. You can buy 10 or 20. Right. So, and generally the quality on those 10 or 20 are much higher. The right. grade of steel is much better. The paint uh, is much better. The um, manufacturing is better. Uh, even to the bolts that they use on these benches and racks made in Canada are much better. Uh, but yeah, for sure, there's a lot of companies that have sort of pivoted uh, right. to manufacture these products because they're steel manufacturing companies and they have high skilled workers. And I know to a lot of people, uh, a rack is a rack is a rack. It's a three by three tube or a two by three tube or even a two by two tube. But there is some engineering behind it uh, for safety standards. Yes. Uh, for ease of use to the end user. Um, so, yeah, for sure. It's so definitely created an opportunity for Canadian companies to create some revenue. Yeah, it's also like, you know, the, the thickness of the uh, the metal, also the... Yeah, softness, the gauge steel. The, the type of gauge they use, softness yep. steel. Uh, you know, do they file down the edges? I mean, all these smaller things. And yep. maybe sometimes when you buy something cheap, it is cheap for a reason, right? So Correct. Yeah, you know... And then you get the really high-end stuff, which I won't name. Uh, we've talked about this. We're very, very high-end bumper plates. and then, But then you can go to something less, and you probably get the same thing. But, you know, probably, uh, you know, just same same grade steel. But basically, this is the branding comes in. And, you know, people For obviously sure. uh, trust the brand. And that's the whole yeah. idea, brand sort of thing. So during, co- so during COVID, what happened? Like, what was, uh, what was the scenario there? Uh, in terms of the gyms, like uh, for sure, they're basically going. Some people are going under. Some people now all that equipment has got to go somewhere. Where is that going? Like, where who's picking up the tab on that, and then who's flipping it? Like, how's that? How's the recycling version aspect of? I mean, typically, I remember you know, Good Life used to have uh, their older equipment. You know, they would have their own store set up at you know Highway Seven, I think, in uh, Keel there, and that was their they would push out some of the refurbished stuff uh, for a much lesser price, but then it would, you know, uh, that's how it would get, they would, and they would, you know, get their new stuff coming in. Right. So what, what was happening? It's, uh, so during COVID um, you, so on the fitness side with in regards to uh, physical locations that had closed down because of COVID, uh, I think the vast majority of those were studios, small one-off studios that were paying rent. So they didn't have a ton of equipment in those spaces. They had, you know, benches and racks and barbells and dumbbells right. and uh, yoga mats and some pieces of cardio. And they would just, you know, Kijiji, uh, Kijiji and uh, Facebook Marketplace, and these people would recoup some money that they were losing uh, because the equipment, you know, they got whatever monies they put into it over five or six years to help them with their business. Uh, they were able to sell 
on the large scale, um, you know, there were there were a couple clubs that went sideways uh, that I know of here in Ontario, and um, you know, it seems like a good opportunity, but the landlord, so there's there's two ways it goes down. One is the owner still has possession of the equipment, has a good relationship with the landlord, and works something out with the landlord where he can sell the equipment and then pay the landlord some of his lost rent. Right. Um, in that case, um, again, and then the second scenario was uh, the the tenant, the fitness, uh, the club owner uh, basically lost the business, and now the landlord has all this equipment. So either way, you know, uh, the market has fluctuated for both scenarios uh, at the end of the day because um, what what a spin bike was worth um, pre-COVID used was $500. And that same spin bike, exact same spin bike, uh, during COVID is worth $1,200. Wow. So and then you, you have to – so – the resale market is has been basically these club owners or uh, the landlord would have someone within their company post stuff on Facebook or post stuff on uh, Kijiji to sell. Uh, when you have a large a large club going sideways with like you know fifty pieces of cardio, a hundred pieces of strength, that's a different animal. Right. You know, even though that's always going to be a different animal, because even though the market is is everywhere and it's super high, there is a physical cost of labor to move 50 pieces of cardio, to store 50 pieces of cardio, to refurbish 50 pieces of cardio. Yeah. So uh, generally, um, people are, are just trying to sell direct to the consumer and create that keep those margins, right. uh, the club owners or the landlords. <clears throat> but again, you know, the, if the landlord takes possession of the equipment, his business is not selling equipment. Right. His, his, his business is being a landlord, so he wants to get rid of the equipment as quick as possible. So he would call in someone to buy everything at once. So let's just say you had uh, $800,000 worth of equipment five years ago in a beautiful gym, right? And now you are able to, the landlord takes it over and then he sells it for 150,000. Hmm. But the real value there is probably 250. Yeah. But, you know, you got to, so you take, you have your 250,000, then you back out, it's four or five trailers. It's 10 guys. It's four days. Finding storage, cleaning the equipment. So, it, 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 so uh, that number uh, on the bigger on the bigger purchases hasn't changed that much. It's gone up a little bit, but uh, on on the one-offs, that pricing has increased for resale to the end user. Okay. So, um, so hopefully that answered your question on <laughs> what's going on with the equipment and how it's getting to people's homes from gyms or facilities. Right. So. Obviously now we're still kind of in COVID, but yep. um, what do you what do you think? What's your predictions like? I mean, obviously we have to wait now for fairly two o'clock is a big announcement, but uh, uh, let's hope to keep fingers crossed. Uh, you know, 
but post COVID, I mean, you, you mentioned, uh, on our discovery call, you mentioned something about Peloton. So you might want to yeah. give, give me some, you know, talk about that. So, uh, so what's going to, so I'm not just making this up. I do have some background in this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I helped launch BOSU in Canada. When I, I was skinnier and I had hair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And I also helped launch the Cybex Art Trainer. Um, you know, I was at the beginning there with Snap and Anytime, seeing those trends, Orange Theory, seeing those trends. The one thing I missed on was TRX. Really? So I missed on TRX. So everything I've, I've sort of seen, I'm like, that's going to be good. That's going to be good. That's going to be good. TRX is like, well, what's this guy doing here? Who's going to go to a park with this thing and work out, right? But then eventually, you know, they got education behind it, and it took the company in a different direction. So uh, post-COVID, uh, I think there's going to be a, a big rebound in our industry. Okay. I genuinely feel that. And the only reason why I say that is is because last year during the lockdown, when the Ontario allowed the clubs to reopen, Everybody in the industry knew that the cancellations were coming. They were, everyone was terrified and scared about that. But nobody foresaw the signups. So mm. some low-cost, high-volume clubs in Toronto, I know one in particular, you know, they, they had a record months. And even uh, high-end clubs in one month in the summer, had record months. So to circle back to your question, you, you know, with Peloton and, and the club business and the home side, uh, and with what I do, my friends telling me that, you know, I'm out of a job next year because everyone's going to be working out at home, I think health and wellness is a lifestyle. I think you have an argument, you know, let's just say there's a million members in, in Canada that belong to a, to a health club, health and wellness type facility. Right. And you can argue that 50% of those people have some type of fitness at their house, whether a ball, stability ball, treadmill, bike. And I feel that um, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. So to, so to answer your question about Peloton, obviously Peloton has been tremendous for our industry. They've helped uh, us to stay relevant. Uh, you know, they've been big advocates and created almost a new category for a lot of other companies uh, like Echelon or Bowflex, uh, really to, you know, Peloton being an industry leader in that market segment. Um, you know, but don't forget, you know, all with all the great things Peloton has done, um, they were losing money. Right. At record amount. At a record amount pre-pandemic. This is, is pre-pandemic, yeah. Pre, losing a ton of cash. Right. Lots. Like more than I'll ever make in my lifetime. In a day. <laughs> is, is Peloton owned by um, by Livestrong? Is that part of that group or no? No, 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 no. It's a different. It's a standalone group. Peloton is a standalone group. Okay. So when when the pandemic happened, uh, I think you you can see if you go online, you can see their stock prices went from fifty dollars to a hundred. I think they peaked at one hundred fifty three dollars. Wow. Within a year. Wow. Big jump. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, that being said, you know, once they announced the vaccine, um, you know, their stock price 
took a little bit of a dip. And right. now they're at, I think, 100 and 110 dollars a share. Right. Over the last, since January. Stabilized a bit, yeah. Yeah, so I think this, so, and one thing that they did too, which was great, is they really introduced the subscription model to right. the home user where people weren't willing to pay for anything. Yeah. Because they can get online for free. And they came out with such great content, such great instructors. The product was awesome. Um, and people justified to, to pay for it. And they had a great marketing strategy, and that's why they were spending so much money. Um, I think, you know, the next... Yusuf, fitness is social. Yeah, People are social Agreed. beings. Agreed. Um, this whole thing of online, uh, no touch, no smell, no sweat. <laughs> um, obviously now during the pandemic, it, it's, it's ideal. Yes. Uh, but post pandemic, I just, people are social animals, man. Yeah. They want to go out. They want to be around other people. They want to go to restaurants. Uh, even, you know, even when the Yusuf, uh, last summer when the, the, you know, everything was open, I tried to get a, a reservation at a restaurant with my family. They're like, come at 930. And I was calling two days prior. Wow. So they were busy. So people want to get back out and see people. And I think, um, you know, post pandemic, uh, I see in a perfect world, I see, I know for sure. The health club business is going to bounce back. Yeah. 100%. It's and gonna actually, it's going to be more of a premium now because there's going to be more costs involved. You're going to get better educators within the facility. There's going to be higher cleaning costs. So eventually, they're going to have to give the, those, hand those costs over to the, to the person paying the membership. Right. But at the end of the day, I've always said this to everyone that I talk about, about fitness. Can you put a price on your health? Wow. Yeah, I think that's um, that's and you only know that price when you're sick. <laughs> Correct. A thousand, a million percent. And, you know, Yusuf, I, I. I'm embarrassed, you know, I'm in the industry. I'm in the industry 20 years. I'm a kinesiologist um, and I, you know, given up a lot of my health to for my family, uh, for my business, for, for my um just to be around my kids and, you know, and, and I got to get it back. And like we said, like, you don't know how important health is and how, how small a fee it is. But, you know, in your, in a, you know, getting a bit personal, but in your case, you'd be surprised how little it takes. But if you just do the right thing yes. uh, and just sort of just uh, view it as a journey as opposed yes. to, a, you know, uh, live, work with every day, each day, each day, do one thing every day, just keep doing it consistently, consistently over time, always wins the race. Um, you know, it, it takes a long time. I remember from my own training when I was like 14, I had a broomstick and I worked up to a, a barbell when I was about 16 uh, with my coach. And then by 18, I was like 135. And then by 29, I was doing, you know, 595 for three. It took a long time. But you just yep. have to be patient, and there's a lot of things 
mentally, physically. Uh, but if it's like you said, you 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 said a, a very important point. It's your lifestyle. So if you just change your lifestyle a little bit. Uh, you know, so I always say, you know, diet is not always what you eat, it's but basically who you hang around with, what you do. All these things are your diet that you consume, uh, both um, obviously physically, but as well as emotionally, mentally, you know, all these things. So, but, um, you know, you, you, this idea of Peloton is really interesting. And some people would scoff, you know, some people would say, oh, they'll scoff that. If even CrossFit, for example, TRX. You look at some of these things, and I'm uh, had it not been for CrossFit, you probably wouldn't have had like this huge resurge in Olympic weightlifting. Olympic weightlifting was hundred percent, thousand percent. With this, always, always sort of like this, uh, you know, outside thing that people did, and you know, like uh, you know, but all of a sudden now it's like mainstream, and you're people are talking about you know, Talakahatse, the super heavyweight, and uh, you know what he's going to do in Tokyo, and you know, he's, hopefully he's going to break 500, 500, you know, kilos total for the two lifts. But so you never hear that kind of stuff, let's say 10 years ago. So, so all these trends that, you know, I, 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 I sometimes look at them thinking, okay, okay, I get it. At the same time, I'm thinking these things sort of help bring about, uh, industry changes, good or bad. For sure. And they, they create sub industries from that, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, you can you can laugh at it all you want to a certain degree, but in a lot of ways, uh, some of these things, uh, because of their presence, made things more accessible to the average person. Correct, a hundred percent, and which and even to the younger athlete. Yeah. Uh, which is super, you know, uh, it's amazing. Yeah, and so we could always argue where that where it fits in in the context if you're, let's say, an athlete trying to use some of those elements in your training, uh, whether or not it's going to, you know, pan out for you. That's another question in itself. But the main thing here is that these, these larger elements, these trends create smaller sort of spinoffs and bring forth an element maybe that was lost at one point, but because it's now promoted in a probably, you know, in a more, let's say proper brand branding manner, it becomes more popular. I mean, buying a bumper plate, let's say 10 years ago, people will look at you like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. What are you trying to accomplish? Yeah, you know, and uh, but yeah, it's pretty interesting uh, with respect to that industry. So what do you? So you you're saying in the next, you know, once the vaccine comes out, you get to a yeah. certain stabilization point, you're gonna see a little bit more. Are you can see more specialization. In, in, That's a good point. Um, so what I see happening uh, post pandemic, once everything reopens. Um, you're going to see a lot of these, a lot of these facilities reopening. Okay. So uh, a lot of Alfonso Fitness Studio. Okay. At Five thousand square feet, and I lost my space. I'm on CERB or on some type of assistance. I probably within 12 months, I'm going to try to figure out. I'm going to beg, borrow, steal, try to reopen my space again. Uh, I think the one big change in the fitness industry is the legitimacy of the industry you see a lot of big business now trying to get involved in health and wellness yes because of, it's a subscription-based model so you see a ton of venture capitalist groups uh dipping their toes in buying up large chains uh funding large chains regionally and um nationally in north america and europe 
Um, so coming out of the the next six months, uh, I think there's going to be a resurgence. A lot of people say there's already too many fitness clubs here in the GTA or fitness options here in the GTA. Nine round, Orange Theory, uh, F45, uh, Good Life, LA Fitness, Anytime Fitness, uh, Bar, uh, Hourglass. There's a whole bunch of these uh, smaller boutique places and i think what you're gonna have is more more believe it or not well you know yusuf if you can have four pizza pizza locations on four corners of a major intersection you have a pizza nova you have an amato pizza you have a pizza pizza and then you have some specialty like taroni or pizza libretto all all within 100 meters of each other and all doing well somewhat well um i think you're going to see that model in fitness where you're going to have um an orange theory you're going to have uh an anytime fitness down the street you might have a good life and then uh around the corner from that you might have the system (laughs) Uh, and 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 people are going to go to each people might have multiple memberships which they already yeah. do yeah I, I i see that because even with myself i noticed a lot of my clients i mean they would come from parts of uh, uh outside the gta but they would have their own membership at their uh, local club and i would just kind of uh give them a little bit of what to do and then they would do it <laughs> on their own right so it's just logistics yeah. and be practical coming all the time but yeah i definitely i see people doing that a lot yeah, and, and as as the one thing we're taught, I think that the best thing that this pandemic has taught everybody is that you need to be healthy. Yeah. And, you know, there's going to be the government, I'm not going to name which government, but the government in a year from now is going to spend, uh, you know, tens of millions of dollars on these studies on um, secondary effects of covid and who was actually affected um, with COVID, the most serious issues that they've had. And I think uh, it's no secret that the vast majority were obese. Yes. And that's something you can't control diabetes. You can't control your age, but you can control, you know, what you put in your body. And yeah. and I, I understand it's definitely socioeconomic where, you know, buying uh uh, a two-liter bottle of Coke um, for two dollars is more cost beneficial than buying a juice, or buying uh, <laughs> or buying water, a hundred percent, or buying beer. I get that, but you know, I think there's other com- countries uh, that are less fortunate than Canada, and that are they have a, a larger poverty rate, but their obesity rate is much less. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's an argument I'd like to, you know, put out there. But, hey, I'm, you know, I, I just have, you know, I'm my undergrad, that's it. So I don't have a postgrad. But, uh, but, you know, the ideal would be purposeful poverty, but that's another reality. In itself. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I, I think this has, I don't want to use this term, woke. Hopefully this wakes the country uh, in regards to uh, how important health and wellness is. 
and you know the government should be helping and and, and there's a Yusuf, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. There's a great, there's the Fitness Industry Council of Canada. Right. Okay. And they've been pushing forever to get tax credits for fitness memberships. Yeah. I, I think that was at one point, uh, too. I remember a couple of my clients who worked for yeah. the big banks. Yeah. Top, the top, uh, he was a top exec, and uh, they used to give him an allowance uh, every year of, to go. So whatever. that's the bank. So that's a so that's a company, but I mean the government actually yeah. subsidizing, uh, subsidizing the health and wellness of people that wanna, I guess take charge of wellness, so that on the back end, uh, you're not relying as much on the government. I, I know, OHIP. I think at the end of the day, I think our expiration date, let's just say, is 80 years old. Yeah. So um, the goal. I think is going to be or should be, you know, to maximize, okay, I'm going to live till 79 optimally. And that last year, I'm not going to be great. But if you have a, a diet that's caca and you're not taking care of yourself and you're eating McDonald's every other day and in between you're having snacks at Burger King, uh, <laughs> you're not going to be, you know, you're arguably the last 20 years or at 60, you're going to be in the system on medication from 60 to 80. So the expiration is always the same, but, uh, you know, relying on the system will be much greater. So then that's the whole argument with Fitness Industry Canada. But again, there is, uh, unfortunately, um, to to push for some of these changes costs a lot of money and, you know, pharma and and the big banks or, you know, the, these other industries um, that are much bigger, um usually get their arguments heard more yeah i think what it comes down to like you said is um is there a cost effect is it more cost effective to 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 basically teach a man how to fish or to feed him every day and and i think i think in the long run uh if if teaching people more fitness healthy lifestyle educating people on good nutrition and stuff and and this is that this is something that you know was never implemented in the school level, but maybe they should start implementing like a wellness instructor. Well, I'm just throwing this out there. Maybe like at the primary school level, you know, showing them, okay, this is good food. This is, you know, uh, and then each year progressing. So eventually they, uh, the kids know how to cook for themselves. They know how to, what is good, what is not good. Uh, what is a treat? I would say, let's just say, put it that way. Uh, we don't want to get in hot water with somebody, but, uh, you know what is what is basically a treat and what is basically real food, and I think when you Correct. start that, and then also to getting people more active, not just from a, a sport perspective. I think sport is a is definitely a a vehicle, but I heard a very uh, sobering statistic um, from a guy who was potentially interviewing for uh, kids in sports in the state about 75% dropout rate um, in kids sports at the age of you know, 13, 14. And I think wow. that's, that's not a good thing because you got to look at it from a perspective of, you know, you want to keep these kids active lifestyle as throughout Correct. their, right. I mean, I, I retired many years from cycling, but I still keep a level of shape uh, just because of my lifestyle. Like it's, it's, like you said, like you said, I think that the key word here is lifestyle instilling that kind of lifestyle uh, of motion uh, and also eating properly. I well, think it's, sure. 
is the key. And I think if the government can sort of get in and get in on that, I think long term wise, it would save them a lot of money healthcare wise. And I mean, all the people who've got, you know, metabolic issues like diabetes, paralysis, yeah. all these things, heart disease, uh, cancer, all these things pertain back to lifestyle. It's been proven. So uh, it's nothing, nothing. It's nothing that we're not saying anything new here. So. But, well, if, uh, they, if, 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 if they uh, look, if they change the laws and regulations for smoking. Yes. And if you buy, I'm not sure if you saw, if you've seen a cigarette pack, uh, this pack can cause cancer. Yes. I'm wondering what the reaction would be if they put that on a can of Coke. Or a candy bar. Yeah. Or a candy bar. Because at the end of the day, um, it, it's... You know, I'm I'm not I'm not in I'm not in a situation where I, you know, I'm pretty I'm pretty passionate about that, you know, about you know what what's going on, um, with with what we're eating and and what what they're pushing us to eat and genetic what's genetically modified and what's available. Um, I'll tell you a funny story. Go ahead. Like so, I was in Italy and. Um, you know, a few years back, and my daughter loves strawberries. So uh, so I go to the grocery store. There's no strawberries. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with this place? It was in the summer, don't forget, right? So I go to, yeah, I go to another grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> no strawberries. I go to the third grocery store. I go, where are the strawberries here? They're like, they looked at me like I had a third eye. <laughs> like, oh, the strawberries aren't in season. That's right. And then my aunt, I told my aunt the story, and she's like, "You know what, you 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 Americans or North Americans, with your food, it, in what world do we live in that you can find a seedless watermelon? How does that make sense? A seedless watermelon, seedless grapes. Yes. Like that is. She has a point, man. Like I didn't realize that. That just blows my mind and what we're putting into our bodies and um, you're, you're having a, a large segment of the world population that has never been healthier because they're taking advantage of them. They're watching what you're eating, they're exercising and you have the demographic of the, the most unhealthiest people that have ever lived that probably arguably in the same socioeconomic range uh, living in the same area, going to the same schools, you know, and and, and now even more so with with uh, social media, what kids are seeing, social media, and what people are willing to push for a dollar. Yeah, when they have a lot of dollars, it doesn't make sense why they're trying to why they're pushing what they're pushing with with the money. That they're already making. Yeah, I think, I think the expression is, uh, you know, you, you need to get healthy to lose the fat, not lose the fat to get healthy. Yeah, for sure. I think that when you start doing that, then you got to look at, okay, well, how do I get healthy now? And uh, I think that's one of the problems with the industry in the fitness world is everybody's trying to lose this, lose fat. I'm like, you know, when you, I don't want to get into it, but you know. You need to get healthy first. Once you get healthy, the fat will come off because your body will actually selectively want to burn that. Yeah. If you're not healthy, 
your body actually keeps the fat because fat is a survival uh, tissue. You know, it's uh, it's several things to the body, and it's uh, insulator, protector of soft tissue, fuel source, storage of toxins. I always forget the fifth one. It's probably yeah. like a bee integrated. <laughs> no, no. But uh, to, to, to circle back, uh, like, you know, I think people are, are going to go back to health and wellness centers to get fit because, you know, along this journey, uh, you know, they realize how important their well-being is to fight disease, to combat these sicknesses. They have to be healthier. And, and, and if they can't do it by themselves, uh, they're going to be going to specialists like yourself um, at the facilities where they can be taught to stretch or to exercise to get their immune system stronger being, uh, and again, and the reason why that reference where I had the, you know, all the fitness locations within a hundred meters of each other, because we're all different. We all learn different. And, um, some people are attracted to the low cost model. Some people are attracted to the high cost model. Some people want that one-on-one service. Yes. Um, so, uh, and, and again, it, it's to get them on this journey to, to feeling better and and to living their life optimally. And right. they're going to need, you know, when you're young, you have a coach. Whatever you do, you have a teacher in school, right. you have a basketball coach. That's and true. then as, as you get older, you're supposed to know what you're supposed to do, right? right. And you see a lot of the most successful people, they have uh, business coaches or mentors or um you know, and I see people really, this field expanding, the, a, a fitness mentor, or a trainer, I, I see think, that growing. I think that's a, that's a key thing. And that's one of the things, I, you know, uh, the idea of health and wellness, as opposed to, I think, you know, they've been pushing the agenda of, like, you got to be an athlete, you got to be an athlete. I think not everybody can do that, but if they can remain uh, a level, have, sorry, maintain a level of health. They, what we call optimal health, at least, yeah. that they can still function. They can pick up, they can go play a pickup game of, of, of football on the weekend and not feel sore. Uh, you, you don't necessarily you know, have to, you know, score in the winning touchdown, make that grab like, uh, you know, like uh, Odell Beckham. Uh, but the idea is you can play still. You can move from you can move from activity to activity, right? So you have a level of what we call physical uh, intelligence. And I think that's the key thing with that whole wealth and health and wellness model is that's what needs to be propagated more so now than probably I think in the past it was all about you know becoming an athlete or something like that to be you know pushing that or you have to be, you have to reach a certain VO2 max or something like that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that's basically where the, the trend definitely should be going. But I agree with you. But listen, it's been. Uh, you want to add anything to more, more to, you know, you think we covered most of these things? I think we had, did a pretty good job, but if you go ahead, the floor is yours. Uh, um, I think we covered what I feel about the industry. Okay, good. Uh, I think um, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Like for, for my colleagues in the industry, uh, I know it's, um, it's, it's been a little bit shaky. But I firmly believe uh, the next six to 12 months might be shaky, but 12 to 60 months, it's going to be like a rocket ship. It's going to be like a rocket ship. I think the industry, the health and wellness industry, this this has awakened a lot of people. 
uh, that were silent, uh, that, you know, addressed a lot of people, hey, I'm not well, I got to take better care of myself. And, um, and yeah, man, hopefully uh, I answered some of your questions. And, yeah. Um, and again, you know, uh, the, the fitness side of the business of fitness, uh, sometimes, um, gets lost. It's more business than fitness. Yeah. But, but the end goal is, is always to, uh, help, help people's lives be better. Yes. And, um, Uh, and yeah, man. So I, I think I, I touched on, on everything. Hopefully I answered everything you, you, yeah. you wanted to know. And, um, if you have any other questions or if you think about anything else, you can have me back on and we could talk about the dark side of the health and wellness industry. <laughs> I, I think, <laughs> I think that would be a good one. Definitely. Uh, for sure. I'll, uh, it hits you up for that one. That was, uh, that's a good one there. So, but it's been great. I really appreciate your time again, Alfonso. Uh, and, uh, I, I love to have you again. I think, you know, you've given some really good insights and I, uh, I think we're heading in the right direction. I think so. For sure. So, uh, let's, let's sign off. Alfonso. Thank Lester. you, sir. You're welcome. Thanks, Yusuf. All right. Take care. Talk to you. Bye. System.ca podcast disclaimer. We're not here to tell you that we know everything. Just, we're just here to present possibilities. The information presented is by no way intended as medical advice or as a substitute for medical counseling. The information should be used in conjunction with the guidance and care of your physician. Consult your physician before bringing, beginning this program as you would with any, any, any other exercise physician program. If you choose not to obtain consent of your physician and or work with your physician, Throughout the duration of your time using the recommendation given, you are agreeing to accept full responsibility for your actions. By continuing, you recognize that despite all precautions on the part of the system, the art and science of coaching, there are risks of injuries or illness which can occur because of your use of the aforementioned information, and you especially assume risks can wave relinquish and release any claim which you have against the system, the art and science of coaching, or any of its affiliates as a result of any future physical or illness incurred in connection with, or as a result of the use or misuse of this information given. All rights reserved, no part of this publication may be reproduced, distributed, or transmitted in any form or by any means, including photocopy, recording, or any other electronic or mechanical methods without the prior written permission of the system, the art and science of coaching, except in the case of brief quotations embodied in critical reviews and certain other non-commercial uses permitted by copyright law. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. If you like the content, please hit the subscribe button. Check out thesystem.ca for more information on services and more content like this and also products. Take care.